Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. So welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Coldwell Banker Seawert Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. All right. And you're listening on Sunday morning to WFHR. The AM station. This happens to be currently the AM station, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. And I know the uh, the broadcast station is increasing its diversity with its programming, which is excellent. Um, I know they're trying to put some more music selection and get more of a local voice. So the normal daily programming is extended, starts a little bit earlier. Which is going to be really exciting to see the new changes that the new ownership is going to be making throughout the next couple months. So even though we're doing change, there are some things that are remaining the same. Change is good. It is. And we're going to do it in small little chunks just to make it a little bit easier. So to kind of segue into real estate with change, mm-hmm. it, I'm getting the feeling that real estate is changing yet again as far as what's coming on the market, how long it's staying, the huge price jumps, all that stuff. What do you think? I'm thinking so. I think we're starting to plateau off just a little bit as far as the prices are going. Stabilize. It's kind of stabilizing. We're now only hearing that we are having five offers on a home versus, you know, hearing those double digit numbers. And I think we're, we're buyers are kind of, they're still being cautious of what they're going to spend on. I don't want to say overspend on, but they want to spend their dollars where it's going to count. You know, is this a home? Do we like the location? And will I be willing to spend an extra $5,000 to get the location? Home may need a little bit of work, but the location is perfect for the family. So I think we're, we're seeing a lot more cautious, cautious buyers out there of, you know, if I only have $80,000 to play with, I want to make sure I get the location and I can adapt to the home and make those changes maybe two years down the road or three years down the road. I, I'm getting the feeling from the buyer's side of things that they're really focusing on uh, on the, the value, what, mm-hmm. what's valuable to them and how much are they willing to spend for it? Well, I mean, we look at our showing that we just got back on. So we just did a, a showing and the house was in that $265,000 range, but our buyer didn't want to sacrifice. Well, and they don't have to move this particular buyer. Right. So, you know, they didn't, they love the the extra garage. It was a, a pretty much a three-stall garage. They love that, that aspect of it, but the house didn't quite meet all their needs, but it didn't check all the boxes. And they're like, okay, I'd be willing to sacrifice this item, but I'm not willing to sacrifice these five items for, for a garage. And I think one of the, the things that this market we've been in for the last year and a half, especially uh, almost two years now with the speed that it's been going at is buyers are are tending to have those um, intermediate plans already pretty nailed down. And they're like, we've lived in whatever, an apartment or a uh, downsize or with family or whatever. And we're content to do that until we actually find something we actually truly want. Mm-hmm. Which is really great. And that's what we really focus on when we're working with our buyers of not only is it going to check the boxes for now, but we want to make sure they're checking the boxes for in five or six years. So if you're going to tell us this is going to be your forever home, we want to find that perfect home that all you have to do is just change the paint color maybe and move in. Not have to move walls, not have to move doors, windows, that sort of thing. I I just had a recollection <clears throat> kind of how to compare the the real estate market that has been for a while now being so fast and uh, hungry, I guess you could say. It's almost like when um, Apple or Tesla come out with a, a new something fancy, you know, the next version of it and everyone has to buy it 
then. You know, it kind of has that same feeling that, oh, a house is on the market and we all have to buy it now. Mm-hmm. But there's usually only one buyer for each house. Well, only one family can buy the home. We cannot do, you know, two, two families buying the home, especially two very different families. So we want to make sure that you're getting the house that fits all of your needs, that mm-hmm. checks all the boxes, that kind of gives you that, that hug when you walk in that says, I'm home. So real estate is stabilizing. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm getting uh, as far as economists in the national realm, it's happening all over. So just like the pandemic last year really pushed everybody into a certain uh, category, a certain silo, a certain bucket, whatever you want to call it. Um, it seems like it's affecting the entire nation pretty much simultaneously coming back into this market swing. And that's unusual because central Wisconsin usually has kind of its own market that lags behind a little bit from the national average. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that in a lot of different things, um, trends, styles, uh, gas prices usually, or at least a little bit. But even back when we look at the uh, 2008 crash that happened with the stock market, it didn't really affect here in central Wisconsin until a year later or so. Right. And it always seems like we're always at least six months behind what the national average is doing. So... It's always kind of nice to know that we can look at that and go, okay, eventually this will catch up to us. But with um, this time around, interest rates are a driving factor, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's like money's just being thrown at everybody. It's like 3%, even 4% is pretty cheap. I mean, we, we were talking with someone today and he's like, when I bought the house, I got an 11% rate and everyone thought I was getting a steal. Right. And now we're looking at the, at today and going... Well, now we're looking at a 3% interest rate. This is still going to be a great deal of a house to get. It's pretty much free money. Mm-hmm. Right, well, you know, hypothetically, you know what I mean. It's I a, do. It's an idiom. But that's really driving everything in the country all at once. So now that we're seeing interest rates tick up just a little bit, and some people are likening this back to the uh, inflation days of the 70s, you know, okay. where gas prices are on the rise as they are now. You know, the the current White House administration has a certain mentality, which seems to be driving the market the same way it did in the 70s, again, with gas prices and and that whole thing. Um, So a lot of people are afraid that we're going to get back to the 15% interest rates, but that's not anywhere near going to happen. And it's certainly not going to happen overnight. No, definitely not. So it's still a, a great time to buy a home. We always just, you know, kind of, again, stress that, go to your lender, talk with your lender and get things kind of lined up. So that way, if we do need to fix a little bit in the credit, let's get that all fixed up. So that way, when we do find the perfect home for you, you're ready to go. And that has been key. We've been working with a gentleman who's missed out on four homes. He knew in the beginning that he needed to fix things. He got things fixed up. And now as he's finding homes, you know, he's competing. He's, they're competing against six offers, seven offers, and only one family gets the home. And it, it really comes down to whoever writes the better offer with the best um, fit for the seller is really getting those offers sold. It's not necessarily the highest price all the time, right? but it's a lot of the other factors and contingencies too. Mm-hmm. And making sure, you know, it's going to be good for you as the buyer of, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice that home inspection to get the home. I'm not going to, fact, you know, sacrifice these things because I want to be, be top. It's write the offer that's going to suit for you, but it's also going to look attractive to the seller as well. Definitely. And give uh, the most honest disclosures that you can with those lenders and the people who are trying to help you through the process mm-hmm. because they'll find out stuff. Oh, they do. I always do the whole entire, you know what, you can lie to your mom, you can lie to your dad. And I always do this with the younger kids. So, you know, I tell them that they can do that. And one person you never lie to is a lender because they do find things out no matter what you think that you've, you've done. I mean, they deep dive into your financial records of what have you done in the past, because that's what's going to tell them what you've done, what you're going to do in the future. So. 
you know, make sure you tell the lender, okay, this is what is going on and they're going to find stuff out. Well, and it's, it's not based on age. We've heard it from all walks of life. Very true. But Mm -hmm. most of the time I have that conversation with, you know, the younger generation. And when I say younger, it's anybody who's younger than me of, you know what? Nope. I've never, I never missed a payment. That's usually our favorite one to hear is, oh, I've never missed a payment. Well, your idea of never missed a payment in the the place we're going to pick on, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the cell phone bill. So even if you missed, you think you got it in at the same on the 15th, but really they recorded it on the 16th, they're going to claim that it was one day late. So, you know, making sure those bills get paid on time. So if the due date is the 15th, maybe you make sure that you get it in on the 10th or the 12th. So that way, if there's a delay in recording, you're not getting hit with on the credit that you were late on a bill. Well, and kind of speaking to that too, is, is finding the automatic ways that we can Mm -hmm. make these things uh, just kind of help along. So like if you have a steady income with a steady paycheck, it comes in the same time, you know, your steady bills are going to be coming in the same time, creating a a steady way for the cash flow to get to those bills is, is really important. You can set up auto pay and uh, the banking institution you're with probably has a lot of options like that. Yep. And, you know, definitely check them out and, and chat with them. So there've been a lot of houses coming on the market recently comparative to a few months ago. Yes. It was kind of amazing. I went back only 10 days. Okay. This was yesterday that I did this, but 10 days looking back, we had 66 properties come up for sale. Now, granted, we had a lot of vacant land, but again, vacant land you know, if you're able to find that location that you really do like, let's buy the land now and work towards building in two years. So that way you have your spot all figured out and then we can work with you on trying to find your builder. And we're seeing that trend in the sales side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the reports from the last couple of months, vacant land sales has been up quite, quite a bit, um, especially year over year. Last year, there was hardly any vacant land being sold the entire year. This year, it's it's well eclipsed, and I'm talking like the entire year last year. I think there was like ten, I believe so, or or at least in this first half of the year. Yeah. Um, and this year there's about eight eighty, I think, something like that. It's it's a very very large increase. So now you said you were looking at the um, the listings. Were those vacant land options like down at the lakes or was it in town? It was a great mixture of everything. So we're looking at some lake, so in the Rome area, but also a little bit in the city and then also in the country. So, I mean, it was a good blend of everything of here's here's some possibilities. Fantastic. And you, you also made mention... Um, that lumber prices are starting to come down a little bit. They're starting to tick down a little bit. So hopefully by fall, we'll be in a, a little bit more reasonable price range yet too. So we've been watching those lumber prices. I know that we've got some projects that we're needing to buy some lumber for that we're waiting for those prices to get a little bit lower before we tackle. And I think everybody is. And I believe that's a little bit of what's driving the prices down slightly. I mean. They're always going to be elevated from what they were two years ago. I mean, we're never going to get down to the dollar fifty two by four. Never know. Might be in the winter time. Maybe we'll have to Cartelling. see. But what what people are, um, I, I read an article by Yahoo Finance, and they were talking about the lumber swing that's probably going to happen. Like you said, in the fall, when prices start to go down then people are going to go and rush buy a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, this is my own opinion, that the stock is there to handle the supply, but they're keeping the prices high, artificially high, to kind of squelch that and dropping them slowly so we don't get the mad rush. Mm-hmm. Kind of learned from the uh, toilet paper situation, situation from last year. Yeah. Gotten smarter. We have which is great. Um, one thing that we definitely do need to talk about is lawn care. We noticed that our backyard, so the front yard looks beautiful. It's awesome. We got some very nice lush green grass growing, but our backyard, 
seems to be a little bit on the brown and crusty side. Brown and crispy. Would you like me to explain why that is? I think so. I think we should explain this because as people, you know, drive by and I notice that I got a few comments of how come the front of your yard looks so beautiful? And then as we pass by, that backyard is not looking the best. Right. So there's a multitude of factors that led into this current situation. Um, I did a slightly irresponsible thing by driving our heavy lawn tractor onto the crispy brown toasted dormant grass when we had the 90 degree week. Oh, because we had so much of our lawn that was under shade and didn't get toasted out. So the, uh, the crispiness that we see in our backyard currently is only the wheel tracks from the lawnmower. Oh, okay. So I kind of broke the grass. So will the grass recover? Well, that's part of my plan is that in the fall when we start getting a little bit cooler temperatures, meaning mid-August or so, I'll be going into a renovation project where it's thatching. We, we like to dethatch. I love thatching. Right. So that'll open up the canopy of the grass somewhat. and putting down seed and perhaps getting some more soil in to fill in the low spots and kind of even things out a little bit more. So that should help cover the seed and create a good growing environment. Okay. So then cooler weather in the fall is going to help things grow. And that's really the best time to do a lawn renovation anyway. So the spring that we had was an unusual spring and I was able to grow some really wonderfully lush grass, some fescue up in the, uh, the planter areas that we had mm-hmm. torn out in the front. And we took out all the rock in the front of the house. and Yeah, those filled in very well, I think. Yes. And it, it's so luscious and supple and you can just run your fingers through it. Um, it takes me back to the time when I had hair. Okay. It was just so fun to, you know, just waddle your fingers right through it. All right. But the reason why our front yard has handled this heat stress so well is because we've got shade trees. So it kept things a little bit cooler. It didn't dehydrate the lawn. So that was another part was I wasn't watering the back lawn as much as I was watering the front lawn. So dehydration of the lawn, it, yeah, it kind of killed it off. So when is really the best time to be watering the lawn? I mean, do we water in the morning, during midday or at night? I mean, when really is the best time when we've got this heat? When is the best time to water the lawn? It depends. What your goal is. To not kill it. To to not kill it. Okay. So when it's like the 90 plus degree and the sun's shining, there's no clouds in the sky. It's not effective to water the soil when you're watering during the midday, but it'll help with evaporation and just like sweat on your body. Watering in the midday during those hot times helps with evaporative cooling. So it'll help keep the lawn cool. Well, I know that we watered the garden during kind of midday, I would come home for lunch and I would go turn it on and and water it for a little bit just to kind of cool those plants down because I don't want the plants to cook in the direct sun. Right. So we just kind of watered them just to kind of cool the plants. Is that kind of what we were trying to do with the lawn or should have done with the lawn? Exactly. Because the lawn is just another version of the garden. It's just a plant. It's got green leafy things. You might actually be able to eat the grass if you want to. No, I think I'll pass. Okay, good choice. All right. Now, if you're looking to create a good soil environment and you actually get the moisture into the soil, either in the morning or in the evening when the wind is low and the sun is not out to burn off the the excess water, Mm -hmm. it'll actually seep down and soak into the soil. Now, being careful of watering at night is usually the worst time because then the leaves will be wet and it'll sit overnight all the way until the dew burns off in the morning. So do we have to be concerned with frost if we're watering at night? Not frost, but fungus. Okay. So, and a, a couple of indicators are, you know, fungusy things like mushrooms. It means your soil is very damp and it's a good environment for those fungal issues to happen. Well, I noticed that in the front of the house where our birch tree is, Originally, when we had the rock there, there was ready mushrooms growing there. Oh, yes. We thought that we pulled all of those roots out, but apparently we did not because we still have mushrooms going in the new grass. Is that a concern or is not really much of a concern? It's not manifesting itself other ways, 
and mushrooms just are kind of mushrooms. Um, you know, some are, are hazardous to your health. I mean, you shouldn't go eating every mushroom that you see, but they're not going to be just a detriment to the grass. Actually, if the grass gets thick, it could start pushing them out as well and um, over-competing for that space. So the grass will do its thing and be dominant in the area. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to the best time to water is in the morning. Except I don't want to wake up at five o'clock to do the three-hour water cycle. So we end up watering in the afternoon, in the evening, which isn't too bad, even as long as you're, you know, the sun is still up and it's still kind of evaporating the water off the leaves. Right. If we're doing an hour water per zone, we usually turn it on, go for an hour walk around the lake and come home and do the next zone and kind of go from there. And that's all guided by how much water is actually being put onto the lawn. So it's recommended to have on average about an inch of water a week. For your garden area, it's a little bit more, especially when the the plants are just starting to grow. Okay. But an established garden or an established lawn, it's about an inch of water a week. You want to water a few times a week. So just like once, twice, maybe three times at the most. So like every other day about. Right, because we don't want the roots to get root rot because there's too much water. Just like, you know, you don't want to overwater house plants. You don't want to mm-hmm. overwater the outdoor plants as well because they just need only a certain amount of water. But the key is to get it soaking in deeply into the uh, the root zone. And the more water can soak deeper in, then the deeper the roots go. So when you have a drought, that lower end of the soil is moist and the plants go there to get their their nutrients. Mm-hmm. A lot of other things that go on too about feeding the lawn and when you should feed it. Um, fertilizer can be applied pretty much all year as long as you want to keep up with the grass that's growing. And the one thing that we always look at too is, you know, pest control when it comes to the lawn, you know, making sure that the ants stay out of the house, they stay out of the lawn along with those grubs and a few other things too as well. So that way, we don't have any extra bugs that we don't want. We had a mole situation when we first moved in. We still do. Oh, we still do? Yeah. I didn't think it was that bad anymore. Yeah, it's he's starting to travel. Oh, okay. So, um, it, it seems like he's he's traveling around. Now, moles like to eat grubs and earthworms, big juicy things. Okay. So I don't think we have any grub problem right now. I haven't seen any indications of that. Um. It'll come out as thin, dead spots in the lawn that are in clumps and patches that have no real pattern to them because the the grubs, they just do their thing in their own little area. Okay. Um, but earthworms, I saw the crows out in the lawn and they were picking earthworms out of the dirt, something fierce. Well, I know that, you know, walking around early in the morning, everybody seems to have the songbirds in their yards and we have the crows in our backyard. They're very smart birds, from what I understand, but they are so annoying. Well, at 5 a.m., we don't have to set an alarm clock because we have the crows. Right. You, you keep um, putting the idea that you want chickens and roosters. Well, I don't want a rooster. I just want chickens. But we don't need them. Because then the chickens can eat all the... Uh, the little bugs? All the little bugs in the yard, and they can clean all that stuff up, and then... We can send them off to the butcher shop and we can have chicken during the wintertime. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a circle. A little bit. Circle of life there. So, instead, we have crows that happen to be here. We just, they're harder to catch. Harder to train to kind of keep them eating in one area. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure how the butcher shop's going to be if, you know, some blackbirds come in. No, we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. Yeah, so the uh, the insect life, you know, we need some insects to create a healthy ecosystem in the dirt, but some are pests when they get into your house. Yes. So we, we learned, you know, keep tidy, clean up after yourself when you're doing outdoor activities. So not leaving soda and, you know, adult beverage bottles out by the fire pit or whatnot, because the little red sugary type eating ants will go after that. And then they'll like your area and then they'll try to follow you inside the building to find more sugary treats. 
Well, good thing we don't do that. Exactly. But I've seen it done by, you know, other people. By other people. And then um, the large black, more carpenter ants, they're not really into eating um, good solid wood, but the moist, punky, sort of deteriorating wood, Mm -hmm. they'll go after that. Yeah. And those, I think, are very common in in every single home Mm -hmm. because- they don't know the difference between the tree outside and the tree that's in your wall. They don't know that difference. So, you know, I always kind of do the, if we can clean up, thatch those yard, thatch the yard and kind of get some of those favorite places to hide and all the rotting wood kind of picked up, cleaned up. So that way you have it further away from the house, the better off you are. Yep. Uh, a lot of, you know, the maintenance items that comes with being a homeowner is making sure the water stays out where it's supposed to or inside the pipes where you need it. Mm-hmm. And then making sure things are, are clean and tidy. It's not just a looks or aesthetic thing. It's very functional. And speaking of water, keeping water away from, from a home, it's, I think our number one thing we always talk about is a gutter system. So I'm really hoping in July we are going to be putting up a gutter system around the house. So that way we can start moving, getting prepared for winter because unfortunately winter is coming. Winter is coming. Mm-hmm. It is our other favorite phrase to say too, because on these beautiful days when it's 80, 90 degrees outside, we always do the, and there's no sidewalk to shovel. Look how long your driveway is. So this is what you're going to shovel. And our people that we're talking to are standing there in flip flops, shorts and tank tops with their sunglasses on going, huh? Right. Just wait. It's a hard, it's really hard to talk about preparing for winter when it's 90 degrees outside. And granted today, it's not that warm out. It was a little bit on the chillier side, but that's okay. We'll take it. But winter is coming. So I'm hoping that we can get some gutter systems up next month. Yeah. Water diversion is, is very important. Um, We do have some gutters on our house that it, it was a good attempt at the time, and I think it helps with the huge rush of the uh, torrential rains, mm-hmm. but it wasn't put up properly. It was very homeowner special. They're plastic, so we can do better. Right, and I think we're going to be looking at doing that, like, again, hopefully next month we can yeah. get some new gutters up there so that way we can try it out before the winter time if we need to make some adjustments, because it's never fun to try to do gutter systems with snow coming down and putting the ladder on ice. And on an angle yet too. Oh no, there, there's a lot of special adjective sort of colorful metaphor words, usually four letters that get said back then. Well. It's like, oh, we should have done this three months ago. Right. Well, we always hung up the Christmas tr- Christmas lights around the house. Did you hang them on the gutters? Well, no, because I don't think my parents' house had the gutters at that time. Um, but we always did it in the middle of the sleet, sleet storm because, and it was always at night. And the ladder was always at the, at the angle on the ice and everything. And he's got two kids trying to hold the ladder while he's up there trying to hang Christmas lights because we knew what's coming, but we just never did it in November when it was kind of a nice day and just kind of had them up there. We always waited till it was a snowstorm because then you got to play with the electrical as well. So, I mean, there well, are certain course. standards that you got to do, but hopefully this year we can do a few things ahead of time. So the trick, the rule of thumb is to think of Easter and Halloween. So when the Halloween decorations go up, the Christmas decorations get staged. Mm-hmm. So the hard stuff you put up, you know, because October, middle of October, it's kind of hit and mess. You get a little, a little bit of snow, but it's not going to be like horribly winter yet. Usually mm-hmm. it's Wisconsin. You never know. Right. But that's also when we get ready for our snowblowers. You know, start thinking about the lawnmower can probably get put away or at least started to. And then get out the Christmas decorations. and try or At to least start, start the plan right. of what do we want to do? So that way we can t- test out the lights, get the lights going. Make sure the electrical system works for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and maybe that one switch in the garage, we actually now will learn what it's for because we don't know what it's for. We don't? I don't. You mean in our garage? Yes, in our garage. Oh, yeah. I know what that's for. Oh, okay. Because remember, if you think back, think think back with me. Close your eyes. I'm closing them. Close your eyes. Think back with me to a few episodes ago. 
when I was up in the attic installing unfaced bed insulation that was R19 pink, owns Corning, got it from Home Depot, actually got a good price back then. And I was up in the attic and we have an attic vent fan, which is powered. Ooh. And the powered attic vent fan that we have in our attic has a thermostat switch to turn it on and off automatically. But it also has a manual override switch, which happens to be the switch that you don't think that I know what it is. Oh, okay. So is that the switch we're supposed to have on? No, because it's disconnected. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I know that some homes do come with a light switch that no one really knows what it's for, and it turns out to be a powered outlet. So that way you can plug in those Christmas lights or even Halloween lights, and that way you don't have to go outside and plug them in and unplug them. You just flip the switch, and they're on and they're off. Or the... um the heat tape that some people put on their shingles to help mm-hmm. with the ice dam situation <clears throat> could also be for that. Or the uh, random, it's sort of pseudo random, like the lamp posts that we have in the, our front by our driveway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't have a switch, but it's on its own breaker. It's uh, got a photo eye on it, so it senses when it's dark out and it comes on automatically. Okay. Yep. Works. Well, Oh, trust me, I delved into all these questions and conundrums. Excellent. You know, that, but that's part of the fun of being a, a new homeowner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, walking around and trying to figure out what light, swi- what light switch turns what on and the three ways and all of that fun jazz is, is always great. And now if y'all are listening to this and you're following along in your own house and you keep thinking, I've been living here for how many years, 10 years, 20 years, and I still keep forgetting which light switch it is that does it's okay. what. It's okay. That happens to most all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That last house you were in, you were there at least 10, I think 12, 13 years. And we were still, every once in a while, had the, well, that light switch. No, I want the other one. Right. It was the kitchen one that we always kind of yeah, kind of played with a little bit. So it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the fun parts about being a, a real estate agent is that we get to go into a lot of houses that we don't know anything about and we have to play the, what's the light switch game. So we get to try to figure out what all your light switches do without any instructions. And what's even, I don't want to say it's even worse, but not known is now that we are starting to have some of these smart gadgets out there. So if we don't know that your hallway lights are powered by Google and we start turning turning on and off light switches to override everything, it's always interesting to hear from the sellers of all of my lights have been messed up. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, how did we do that? Oh, I didn't understand that your home is powered by Google. And all we have to do is ask Google to turn on and turn off the lights which would have been a little bit more helpful. I do it to my son all the time. He's got his lights in his living room powered by Google. And I try, I go over there to clean the carpets and I'm playing with the light switches and he comes home and he's like, everything's all messed up. Oh, my mom was here. Never mind. I got this. So now if you're having those types of problems and you have a more smart house with those independent accessories, you can also go to the home center and get covers for your light switches so that people don't turn them on and off. And it just, you unscrew the the little thing and this goes over the cover plate and it's Mm -hmm. actually, it covers the switch. It's probably in the child safety area. I have no idea. So it's either in electrical or where the child safety stuff is. I'd probably find them at Walmart or Target as well. Mm -hmm. But I, I saw those recently on a house and I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I know what this is for. Um, also, with electronic electrical devices, mm-hmm. I saw in a listing that I was doing photos for a kind of unique style of light switch. I mean, we've seen the, the traditional toggle up and down. Right. We've seen the paddle kind yep. of, so rocker, big rocker, rocker switch. Well, this was a slide up and down. Okay, so like a dimmer. It looked similar to that, except it was only on and off. And the tab was actually about a rectangle, an inch tall, and about a half inch wide and a half inch deep. Hmm. And it just slid up and down instead of having, you know, a rocker or a paddle or something. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They did it through the entire house. It was a, a newly remodeled 
Okay. So I, I thought that was interesting. Excellent. So if you'd like to keep up on our listings and maybe try to figure out which house that is, go over to MyRapids.com or get with your personal real estate agent and say, hey, I want to look through some listings and try to find out what Ben was talking about. You know, if you're in the market for a house, maybe it might be something for you. Right. See, I'm trying to get people curious about, you know, what real estate is out there. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Would this be the lake home? So, yes, it just might be the lake home. Okay. Well, we'll have to figure that one out. Oh, keep an eye out for it. I will. So, you do a lot of the photography for for our listings for our office. Yep, and it's not just the normal photography. I'm also a licensed drone pilot. <clears throat> so, that gets kind of interesting at some locations. Um, I, I get hired by our Coldwell Banker affiliate offices too. So I go down to Adams, Friendship, you know, the Rome area around the lakes. And there's a couple little spots on the west side of Lake Petenwell that are a military operations area. Ooh. So sometimes I can't fly over there. Okay. And then if you get close to the airport here in town, you have to um, work around that a little bit differently. And now with it getting busy at the airport, you know, it's kind of a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then we also do the 360 virtual tours. I was going to bring that up because we mm-hmm. went on a listing appointment today and that was kind of like a, a little bit of a question of why should I be hiring you? And tell me why. I mean, the the house has been listed. We haven't gotten a whole lot of showings on it. A little frustrated. So you're now going to be the third agent that I'm going to be interviewing. And what stands out different? Why are you going to be different than the last guy who came through here? So that was one of our questions today. And and it's always a really good question. I mean, if you're having multiple agents come through, it is a great question to ask your agent. And and it's okay to ask those, those questions to the agents who are coming into the home of why should I pick you? I mean, if everybody's just taking pictures with, you know, they may be doing with, with their camp, with their cell phone and that's what they're doing. But, you know, I think your, your answer was really great. And so why should we pick you to, to do the listing? What, what's the added benefit? What's the, what's the bonus? Sure. Those 360 virtual tours really are a, uh, an eye catcher for a lot of buyers, um, but a thing in the real estate sphere is there's really a push against Zillow just because they're a big fish. Um, it's it's kind of like the Walmart idea. You know, they're so big, they're going to push out everybody else. And okay, sure, they are a large player, a big conglomerate. But there's other ways of also getting out the 360 tours on other platforms as well. And that way you can keep people in the house longer, um, especially, you know, we're still cautious about being in people's spaces and also marketing to people out of state or out of the area. You can say, hey, I'm going to give you this link. It's for a virtual tour and you can walk around in a 360 space. Um, if people are tech savvy enough, you can usually link that up to a virtual headset. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there's actually options to go on your phone with a special set of goggles where your phone mounts into mm-hmm. it and it's stereoscopic. So you can move your head and it turns around. Interesting. Um, now with your, your 360 that you do and in the homes, is this going to be, you know, can I zoom in? Can I see the countertop? Can I see, I mean, we're obviously we can't open and pull out drawers, but can we see what that face of the, the drawers look like? I mean, how close can you zoom in? For the most part, it's it's fairly detailed. Um, the product that we're using is sort of middle of the road. Um, we haven't gotten into the super high-end uh, scanning systems. So there'll actually be a dedicated scanner that we mount uh, to a tripod, put it in each room, and that gets populated into uh, scanning software later. Uh, those types of high-end features, you can actually go through and uh, select two items in the room, and it knows the distance between those two items. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a lot. That's very detailed. That is very detailed. Um, 
I, th- I think the general consensus is that it's kind of out of the scope of what we're doing here in central Wisconsin. Maybe in those bigger markets, you know, Miami would be a more appropriate place. Right. Or even down in Madison where you've got um, luxury condominiums oh, yes. and, and people are looking to maybe buy furniture ahead of time. You know, they're coming way from out of state and they want to completely furnish their room, but try to figure out how things are going to fit. So we really don't see that much here. And honestly, people, once they've made a decision that this is a house for them, they want to be in the place first. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we do get some sight unseen buyers, but not a whole lot. So that's another part of it. So I've got the middle of the road equipment. So it's, you can zoom in. Okay. It's not going to be um, as if you're looking at it yourself, though. It's not that quite, quite that high resolution. But it really helps get a feel for how things work in the house as far as flow. You know, you come in the front door and where, where's the bedrooms, where's the kitchen. Um, some buildings have more of an open concept. Others are cordoned off quite a bit. So it'll help to understand that before you get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you can look look on Zillow, because a lot of people look, you know, at the the big monster in the room because it's there. It's easy to get through, and Zillow has a lot of features. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for homes in Wisconsin Rapids, it'll bring up a map. Okay. And you can go up to the top of the map and make sure it's on for sale, not sold or some other option. And then a little bit farther down, you can click more, and the more drop down has a number of different features that you can filter the selections by. You can actually select, show me only properties that have a 360 tour on them. Okay. So if you do that, that'll bring up only the properties in the area that the map has that have these 360 tours. So it's kind We're of gonna nice. We're going to have to go check that out just to kind of see how that, that function works. It's really easy. Go for it. Okay. And it's kind of nice that Coldwell Banker Seward were one of the very, very few firms in the area that's doing it, um, is specifically in Wisconsin Rapids. Okay. We see more of it in the Stevens Point area because it's a different market atmosphere over there. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly more up in Wassa. But if you're looking to sell your house here in Wisconsin Rapids or the Wisconsin Rapids area, I think it's definitely a good benefit to have that as part of your marketing package because I mean us as real estate agents we do two things we market your property and then we assist with negotiations mm-hmm. so we, we've had really good feedback from it well that's good and I know that you know we're working right now with someone who's living in Colorado mm-hmm. they're moving back to Wisconsin Rapids and you know being able to see those homes and kind of walk through them to do the, okay, well, I really, I need to know where that laundry room is to the kitchen or to the bedrooms. You know, is it more centrally located and being able to walk through those homes ahead of time is going to help save time. So if we do have that checklist of this is what we need to have, but we don't have that 360 tour, it's really hard to tell exactly what that laundry room looks like to where the bedrooms are or the size of the den. So that way buyers don't get excited about a home, drop all their plans, run home to take a look at a home and find out it is not nearly close to what they wanted, but the pictures looked really awesome. And there are a lot of real estate firms in our area that have really awesome looking pictures. Mm -hmm. And even mine, I mean, we continually tell our buyers the pictures are one thing. But even with our listings, you have to be in the space. You do. It feels a certain way. You know, we can make a 900 square foot log home feel like it's a 2,000 square foot home by the way that we put the, the camera angles. But until you get in there and you realize this is 900 square feet. I mean, granted, we do disclose that, you know, the square footage and everything like that. But looking at the pictures, they're like, oh, this is a really pretty kitchen. I like how it's connected to here. But then actually getting into the room and going, okay, I can literally like reach across the room and I could high five the person in the living room while I'm standing at the kitchen sink. And it's not a misrepresentation. No. It's 
just the way that photography works. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, every all the photographs have that aspect to them. Right. And we've seen it the other way around too, where it this is a really huge room. But they and chose, the photos they, they make it look like angles. it's really, yeah, it yeah. just looks like it's a really small room. And so it may be a home that we've overskipped, but we went to go see it anyways, because we wanted to take a look at the kitchen layout. The kitchen layout looked good, but the rest of it was just kind of questionable. But when we got into the room, it's like, oh, wow, this is a much bigger dining room than I ever anticipated. Yeah, this is going to fit the 15 people. But the pictures made it look really small and not usable space. And so that's where the 360 tour that those virtual tours, I think really kind of fill in the blank. <clears throat> they, they get in between the experience of being there and the standard photography that, you know, everyone has. And where, how are you looking at the photos is another thing. Are you looking at photos on your phone, on a tablet, on a desktop, and how big are those monitors? Mm-hmm. Or, and whether or not the high def is kind mm-hmm. of in play too, because I mean, if it's an older computer, the, the screen quality might not be as great. And these listing platforms only allow certain resolution to be uploaded to them anyway. So I could have a 10 million megapixel camera, but it's only going to allow me to put up a certain resolution, which is very much smaller because they're hosting a whole ton of pictures. Mm-hmm. And then all the archive pictures as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been kind of fun. It's a learning experience. Um, I'm also starting to do them for businesses as well. So Excellent. A, a lot of the, uh, the commercial spaces, I think that's also kind of important. And then it's got a little bit of a historic value too. So um, I, some of those business properties I host separately from my other residential platforms. Okay. And I think it'll be neat to kind of, you know, look back at, well, this was where that business was or that um, industrial place was when we sold it. And I'll go back and see how they renovated or what else the, uh, the new use case for it is. Okay. So I have a weird oddball question for you and you're going to love this. Um, so if you're in a commercial building and it's got like a vaulted ceiling, I'm going to pick on a church for a little bit because it's got the nice tall cathedral ceilings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Can you fly the drone and get a nice aerial shot or do you really need to have the height with the drone? Can you fly the drone in, in the house or in, in a house in a building? The answer is yes, it can be done. <clears throat> but is it practical? N- not really, but sort of. And if we we're doing like an industrial building where it's got 20 foot ceilings in it or even higher because they put a railroad car in, where doing a flyby or fly mm-hmm. through the building just mm-hmm. to kind of get the, the amount of mass, would that be? Yep. But yeah, that we, would work. We, we have seen it done. Um, it is possible. I wouldn't want to risk my current equipment with doing that. Um, there's a lot of flight safety things that go with uh, GPS. So inside of a metal building, you kind of lose GPS signal. Okay. So that's part of it. Um, I can get accessory guards for the aircraft. Uh, there are dedicated different aircraft, <clears throat> excuse me, aircraft models called FPV drones, first person visual. Um, and that's a whole nother experience for a whole nother conversation. Okay. And we've seen some really cool things um, coming on the social media where they've, uh, a bowling alley mm-hmm. was one of them. That was pretty cool. Uh, that takes a lot of practice and training and I guess more practice than anything. Um, but yeah, you can fly inside. Now your insurance company for your drone insurance probably isn't going to like you doing that, but that's a business decision. Right. So maybe we'll have an opportunity sometime later. Um, There are other options that I have in my toolbox to conquer some of those things as well. So the other cool thing that I love to do with the drone is getting shots of our garden and, of course, the lawn. Right. And it's been a little bit since we've done a above footage of that, but our garden has been doing really well. We were just at the Cranberry Blossom Fest last weekend. and. Met some of the new neighbors, 
And they were asking questions about it because they were just surprised of how lush everything looked in our garden. It was a very good spring for growing things. It, I, I think we had, you know, we had that really early hot spell mm-hmm. for a couple of days <clears throat> that really warmed everything up. It got cooler again. We had some, some frosts, but yeah, our spring has been not abnormal. It's, it's been great for growing stuff. Right. And we were able to pick a bunch of lettuce. So we had picked some fresh lettuce so that way we can have some fresh salads. And we did, we kind of thinned out our radishes too. And so we had some nice salads this weekend of fresh right out of the garden. So that was, it was really nice. And our uh, corn is definitely going to be knee high by the 4th of July. And that is taking out the 20 inch difference between the ground and the top of the box. Yeah. You actually stepped stepped inside the planter box to measure that. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely going to be knee high. It's going to be a little bit above that. So I think our corn is going to be really nice this year and hopefully we can get some ears of corn. Um, A comment about the lettuce. That was really easy to grow. It just kind of happened. You know, you put the seeds in the ground, it came up and then it bushed out. Then you just grabbed the leaves off of it and you ate it. Right. And it's going to be it's going to keep producing yet too. So all summer long, we should be able to have fresh lettuce all summer long, starting from now until we can, it's going to have like a bitter taste to it a little bit. And that's how you know that the lettuce is now done growing, but we should have fresh lettuce from here on out. One of the uh, square foot garden type people that I follow on social media, they're saying they usually get about three good pickings throughout Mm -hmm. the summer. So we've already had one. Right. So we should be able to have fresh salads until, you know, late, um, Labor Day. Should be. Yeah. September. Mm-hmm. And we had two strawberries out of the strawberry patch. Well, they were brand new plants. Yes. One came with it and the <laughs> right. other one actually grew from that. And I think this might be an, an ever-bearing strawberry plant. So it'll be interesting to see if we can have fresh strawberries throughout the summertime here. So we're coming... Down to the end of our first hour. So we okay. appreciate everybody listening and come back for hour two. We'll so be, much more to talk about. Yeah, we'll be delving more into the market, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of wrapping up from what happened with Cranberry Blossom Fest. And like always, if you want to find out more of what we're doing and what the housing market is, check us on social media and head over to the website, myrapids.com. It'll take you right to your agent website. Yes, it will. How can they get a hold of you otherwise? They can give me a call at 715-323-2577. And it's also a very textable, friendly number as well. So if you're busy and you just want to send a quick text, go right on ahead. Okay, we'll be back in just a bit. All righty. 